welcome, and thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of New Song Community Church. I'm Pastor Mitch Coaston, and I am here to let you know that the entire context for this sermon that you are listening to is based on a video that we watched on Sunday morning in church before I began to preach. So if you would please pause this podcast and click on the link to the video that's in the description and watch that first and then return here, it will make much more sense. God bless you and have a great day. Lion number one is you. And those hyenas are your demons and troubles of life. How many of you identify with lion number one? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, most days. There are way too many hyenas surrounding me, and I cannot fight them all off. But I'll bet you know who lion number two is. Hey, hey. Yeah. You get surrounded by your temptation to sin, or unhappiness, or loneliness, or debts, or mental torment, and emotional problems, and tormenting memories, and they can drag you down and wear you out quick and they're going to take you down and rip your throat out we got a friend who comes roaring in from the side amen Hosea 11.10 speaking of God says someday my people will follow me I the Lord will roar like a lion and when I roar my people will return trembling God is a fierce God And he's pretty scary to the hyenas. Next one is from Amos chapter 3. Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his servant, his secret to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Somebody feels or hears the word of the Lord in their heart. They know it's a lion has roared inside of me and I have to speak this. I have to speak it. Amos heard God like a lion in his heart, and he said, The Most High has roared. I have to speak. Yeah. God the Father is a lion, and his son is a lion, from Revelation chapter 5. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus' name, one of his names is the Lion of Judah. I got good news for you this January. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on a cross. He's not in the grave. He is alive. And he is a lion. He is a roaring lion. When he was resurrected, of course, yes, it's his earthly, physical, natural, biological body that got up out of the grave. But In the spirit, in the heavenlies, he's not just a man. He is a lion. He's also a lamb. But he is a lion. He is the lion who prevailed. And he is fierce. And we never have any reason to be afraid of the hyenas. By ourselves, we can't defeat the gang of demons. But as David Attenborough just said, two lions are no match. Two lions. Amen. If you like what I just said, you need to leave now. (laughs) 
If that sounded good to you, I'll let you excuse yourself and you can go home and feel really happy. Because we all know that most days he doesn't run in and chase off the hyenas, does he? That's not real life. Not most days. Ultimately, he did rescue us at the cross. And once in a while, he comes in sovereignly and rescues me. But most of the time, he stands by and watches while I fight the hyenas. Jesus could end all the suffering in the world with a snap of his finger, but he doesn't. He could step in and chase off my, all my problems any time, but he doesn't. Is it to teach us endurance? No, because the people in the world have the same problems that you and I have. And they survive through them also. So Jesus isn't wanting us to just survive. He isn't trying to teach us a lesson because the people in the world aren't learning any lessons either. They go through divorce and the death of loved ones and bankruptcy and adultery and abuse and anger and lust and rebellious kids just like we do. And we go through it just like they do. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation, trouble, or test has overtaken you except such as is common to humanity. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, troubled, or tested beyond what you are able. But with the test will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. We all have the same troubles, the saved and the unsaved, the worldly and the born again, and we all have to live through them together. And most of the time, Jesus does not bail us out. Most of the time, I identify with this lion. I don't know if those of you in the back can see that very well, but his face is ripped up with teeth marks. He's got blood dripping from his right eye, and he's got blood dripping out of each nostril. I identify with this lion. Most of the time, I feel pretty chewed on by my hyenas. So if my problems are no different or less than the people who aren't following Jesus... And if most of the time he doesn't swoop in and save me from those pains and sufferings and troubles, then what's the point of serving him? It's a pretty selfish question, isn't it? And serving Jesus seems to add to my troubles. Does it not? There's quite a few situations and problems, hyenas that I've had to deal with, that I wouldn't have had to face if I wasn't trying to serve Jesus. Spiritual attack is real, and it hurts. It is exhausting. And the people of the kingdom of the darkness don't have that extra suffering of spiritual attack and defense that you citizens of the kingdom have to endure. When the people of the world are wronged, they are free to get angry and fight back. But when you and I are wrong, not only do we have to suffer the same wrongs as everybody else, but we have the additional indignity of the requirement to turn the other cheek. When the people of the world suffer financial shortage, they only suffer a money problem. But when you and I suffer a money problem, we have to tithe. 
When the people of the world hit a marriage problem, they are free to give up and start over with somebody new. But we must forgive over and over and over and endure pain and remain faithful. And not just some sort of grit your teeth kind of faithfulness, but soft-hearted, unoffended, totally selfless, joyful kind of faithfulness. When the people of darkness get insulted for their beliefs, they can argue and attack back. They are free to be emotional and hateful in return. But the people of light, you and I, when we get attacked for our beliefs, we have to return blessing for cursing. We have to be calmly rational and patiently, lovingly preach what we believe. When we have a desperate need, we don't just have a desperate need, then we have to fast in addition. When lost people want comfort or excitement, they can turn to alcohol or food or drugs or porn or money or adultery or sports or a thousand other diversions. And what do we get? We get a cross. I think Jesus needs to hire a new PR firm. (laughs) So the hyenas circle and attack. And we suffer the same energy-sucking troubles as everybody else in the world. And Jesus doesn't stop that from happening. And then on top of the world's regular problems, we receive the added enjoyment of suffering for Christ. And he not only allows it, he commands it. And he not only commands our obedience and our suffering, but he expects us to have supernatural faith in the midst of it. While all the normal troubles of life, plus our suffering for Christ, is happening, he expects us to have supernatural faith. When the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, the people are hungry, he says, you feed them. What? What? Jesus, what are you saying? Peter walked on water. Walked on water, and it wasn't good enough. He looked over here at the wave and begins to get scared and sinks, which is a perfectly rational thing when you look down and see that you're walking on water. And Jesus says, Peter, where's your faith? It's not enough that Peter just have faith to survive the storm. He has to get out and walk on the water in it. And when he does, it's not good enough. Peter, where's your faith? Two times Jesus tells the disciples, how long am I going to have to bear with you? Once is when they can't cast a demon out of a child. And the other time is when they're panicking in the boat that it's going to sink. Not only do we have the same problems as everybody else in the world, we have additional problems of the cost of trying to follow Jesus, and then in the midst of it, he expects us to have supernatural faith to walk on water and multiply food and cast out demons. Who is this guy? As if our normal earthly problems weren't enough, we have the additional injustices of forgiveness and patience and turning the other cheek, which are impossible. The Christian life is, by design, impossible. Intentionally impossible. The life of faith that we signed up for when we were baptized is meant to be impossibly difficult. The hyenas are circling, and they're laughing, and they're biting. And instead of rushing in and roaring at them, our Lion King stands off to the side and says, More! What is our Lion King up to? 
He could dispatch the forces of darkness by twitching his pinky. But that is not his goal. I said his goal is not to defeat the forces of darkness. His goal is to make you into something that you are not yet. He is bringing forth your spirit to make us the sons of God. The struggle, the battle, the trouble is worth it because of what we become through it. The struggle of the people of the world does not produce gold in them because they don't respond to life with faith and love and forgiveness. But the struggle of the people of God does produce golden faith, the most valuable commodity in the universe. James says, far more valuable than gold is your faith. Because we not only endure and just survive life, but we overcome the impossible with faith and love and forgiveness. Jesus, as the Lion King, has three options. He can chase off the hyenas from the beginning and never let us face any. Nothing of value would ever be produced in our hearts. We would only be lazy and weak and selfish and impotent and ignorance and dependent. He could allow troubles in our lives, the same as the devil's people have to live through, but not require any extra from us. Could do that. Nothing beyond raw endurance and just survive life. And then we would be no different than the people of the world. We just survive and hope for heaven when we die. But if he allows spiritual warfare on top of normal earthly life troubles, and then he adds the requirement of faith and love and patience and forgiveness and tithing and fasting and miracles and joy on top of it all, we become divine. We become spiritual. I don't mean religious. I mean, we're led by our spirits instead of our flesh. We become a new creation, not just a cleaned up human who's doing better than the old life, but a reborn son of God, the daughter of a lion. See, you are not a body that has a spirit. You are not personality that has a body and a spirit. You are a spirit with a personality and a body. 2 Corinthians 3 says that the Lord is the spirit and the Bible says you have a spirit. Your spirit, what the Bible calls your heart, is the real you. Your body is not the real you. Your personality is not even the real you. What the Bible calls your soul, that's not the real you. Your spirit is the real you. Your spirit was dead. But in Christ, God resurrected the dead you and gave your spirit life. That's the part of you that's reborn. Your mind, Romans says, has to be renewed and transformed. You have to put on the mind of Christ. And your body is going to die and be reborn later. The part of you that's been born again already is your spirit. That's your heart, the deepest core part of you that loves God and wants to please him and obey him. That's your spirit. That's the part of you that's alive. 
And that's the part that God wants you to learn how to live from. It is his main objective to make you live from your spirit instead of your body and your personality. But you aren't used to living by your spirit. You're used to living in the physical world and in your emotions and thoughts. And God has to teach us how to live by the spirit. We aren't aware of our spirit very much. We're aware of our body and our soul, which is our thoughts and emotions. And they're very loud and very strong. Are they not? Some of you, your body is yelling at you right now. We call that pain or hunger or tiredness. Some of you, your emotions are yelling at you and causing trouble. Some of you can't shut your thoughts off. But our spirits are usually hard to hear. God wants you to be spiritual, which means that you're not only aware that you have a spirit, but that you are a spirit living in a body inside of a soul. He has made your spirit alive in Christ, and now it is his main objective to make you live by your spirit instead of your body and your personality. Our flesh is not to lead our life. Our flesh will lead us to food and alcohol and entertainment and money and laziness, basically anything that lets it be fat and lazy. Our emotions are not to lead our life. It's easy to see why depression and anger and lust should not lead our life. But we're not supposed to let happiness and satisfaction lead our life either. Not to live for those things. Your born-again spirit, the real you, what the Bible calls your heart, is to lead your life. And your born-again spirit bleeds love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The fruits of the spirit come out of your spirit. That is to lead your life and make your decisions. Call the shots. What comes out of your mouth, what you do with your time and money. Your spirit leaps at miracles and power and possible impossibilities. You may not know that because you may not have listened to it very much, but it's there. We are to live by faith. See with the eyes of our spirit, not what our body can see or feel and not what our emotions and thoughts feel or don't feel. Faith and love are the life of the spirit. That's the ultimate truth. So Jesus is not interested in us just fighting the battles of normal earthly life. Everybody fights those, and a lot of people lose it. It's a lot of people that lose that battle. He is interested in us fighting the battle of faith, because that's the battle you cannot lose. Because just fighting is winning. You cannot lose the battle of faith, because just fighting is winning. It is impossible to lose. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But I don't see much of any difference between the way the world endures their troubles and the way the Christians and church endure their troubles. There are some differences for sure. Our divorce rate is slightly lower. Our bankruptcy rate is lower, but our credit card debt is pretty similar. The movies our kids watch are not much different than the kids of the world. The rate of porn viewing is supposedly the same in the world and the church. Christians are prone to the same self-medicating sins as the rest of the world. And this is 
cannot be, church. We're not just supposed to be surviving, but overcoming. Yes, we confess our sins and our weaknesses, but we move forward in faith to victory. Yes, our flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing and strong. Too many believers are desperately praying for Jesus to come and rescue them when he's waiting for you to exercise some faith and obey. And as you obey, that will get rid of your problem. You see, in the original video, who did the second lion come to rescue? Another lion! Jesus would like you to see yourself as a lion. Just like Jesus, when you were resurrected in the spirit, you're not just a human. You're a lion. Your heavenly father is a lion. Your savior is a lion. You are a lion. I'm not saying that I can take on the hyenas by myself. The video shows that. I need Jesus all day long, every day. And I'm not saying that Jesus won't run in and save us when we truly need him. He is a savior we need saved, and he is glad, he is eager to do it. But the truth is that we can never, ever be trapped by a circle of hyenas because we are never, ever alone. When they gang up on you, you roar and watch. It'll be his roar. Deuteronomy 32.30 will be on the screen. One can chase a thousand and two can put 10,000 to flight. Yay, Jesus. Yeah. I cannot look at life with the eyes of my body or my personality. If I do, I will see that I am surrounded and I am cut off without any hope of survival. But if I look with the eyes of my spirit, I will always see strength and victory and hope and success. Steve Backlund likes to say, any area of your life that is not overflowing with hope, you're believing a lie. If I'm looking with the eyes of my spirit, I won't be planning just survival, but victory and freedom. I will see that Jesus is with me. He is inside of me. And I will hear his roar in my innermost heart of hearts. And I will roar with that roar and the hyenas will flee for their lives. That is why Jesus doesn't chase off the gang of demons by himself. He wants you to find the roar of your spirit. That you would know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That you don't need saved from the outside your Savior is in you. But you're never alone, and you cannot be circled up. You cannot be defeated. And you have someone inside of you, and the two of you can chase off 10,000. Amen? Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Rah! Some of you need to quit whining and wishing and start roaring. 
You need to quit praying weak prayers and start praying roaring, faithful prayers. Got problems in your body? Don't put up with that. Start roaring. You got unsaved loved ones? Don't whine about it. Get in your prayer closet and roar. You got marriage problems? Quit feeling sorry for yourself and start roaring. Not at your husband. In the spirit. Make sure we clarify that. You got a kid that's running away from God? Roar! Not at them. At the demons. The hyenas have circled him off and chased him off away from the family. Roar! Let him know he's not alone. You are a lion. Your father is a lion. Your older brother, Savior, is a lion. You are a lion. Start praying some loud prayers. Fasting some loud fasts. As the holy angels have watched this raggle-taggle bunch of weaklings called the church for the last 2,000 years, they have increasingly moved to the front of their seat in shocked awe, not just that God loved us, not only that he gave his blood of his son to redeem us who were so filthy, but of what he is creating us into. Watching us feeble human beings in this mighty and indeed impossible struggle, and yet we fight on, not only troubling our way through normal earthly life, but intentionally giving up our lives and our money and our time, putting down our priorities and our emotions for a kingdom that we have not yet seen. The heavenly majesties can see the glory of God. And when they do, they fall on their faces and they cast their crowns at his feet. But when they see us fumbling forward in darkness, fighting a battle that we cannot see, thanking and praising and loving God while we willingly pay the price of faith, forgiving and loving and fasting and giving and praying, seeking to obey God more, knowing it will cost us more. They marvel at the mercy and grace of God. And they declare that these previously lost and worthless human beings have truly become the children of God. Sons and daughters of the King who have his lion heart. The bold and holy lions of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would roar over each of us roar in every heart. Lord, you would fill us with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Fill us with power and zeal and strength that comes with the boldness of your Spirit, Lord. We would not be afraid of any obstacle. We would not be filled with self-